Okay, before we dismiss the children, I would like to just uh, go and continue in our Advent practice here of lighting the candles. What child can tell me what candles we've already lit? Anyone? Yes. Hope, okay, we've lit the candle of hope. Okay, that's one out of the three that we've already lit. Another one. Oh, yes, I could, I, I could see your hand now. Love, okay, we, that one last one. So between hope and love, we have one more. And today is joy, so maybe that'll help. Oh, over here? Joy, that's for today, you're right. We want something on earth. <laughs> hint, hint. Yes. You say it together, both of you. Peace, okay. <laughs> today we do light the candle of joy. Providing the candle lighter lights. Now we dismiss the children for their program. You notice how quickly they got out of here in case they don't get stuck like they did last Sunday. By the way, parents, I apologize. I just, I don't know how I skipped it, but I did. <laughs> By the way, those kids were amazingly well behaved in here last Sunday. They, so, I just, uh, you're doing a good job. <laughs> Today, as we look at our scriptures, we're looking at the primary scripture is the Gospel of Luke. I'll be looking at several scriptures this morning. But in Luke chapter 2, we have uh, the shepherds encountering the angels. And uh, we start with verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, which would be that of Bethlehem where Jesus was born, in that same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Now look at the response to what the shepherds do. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
And when they saw it, they made known to the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The things that happened around the birth of Christ show a sense of of joy, obviously. Here the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. And the idea of good news, normally if you hear the word good news, we're thinking of death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and our salvation. That's the story, the good news. And it's nothing less here. And this good news is to bring us great joy. And this idea of joy, I want you to be sure as we start this, you understand, this is more than happiness. It's more than, than being excited or happy about something. This joy is something that is from God to us, and it's something that, that works from within us that has to do with our salvation. So this sense of joy comes from being saved having a permanent, eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, so this joy begins as we see it here around the, the, the birth of Christ. It's a, a sense of joy of being overwhelmed with what God is doing. And you notice that it said very clearly, uh, this, this, news, this good news is for all people. Right in there is a hint about what is to come in the sense of the... Of the, the, the whole picture being opened up into the Gentile world for all the people. So, uh, we have this, this great joy. And, and what is interesting is, this isn't the first instance of joy uh, in reference to the birth of Christ. It's actually first mentioned back in chapter 1. Uh, let, look at verse 36 and 37. And what we have here is uh, when when the angel gave, came to tell Mary that she was going to be with child, uh, he gave her something to lean on, if you will. He said, by the way, Elizabeth, your cousin, is with child. And you know, Mary had to be a little bit surprised because Elizabeth was past the childbearing age. And they had no children. And so this was going to be a great, amazing thing. Now, if you actually read all of the Gospel of Luke and go even further back, Elizabeth is Zachariah's wife. Zachariah is the one that's in the temple when the angel uh, speaks to him uh, in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. So, it's all tying together here. But listen to, to, to what happens here when Mary and Elizabeth get together. In fact, I'm going to go back to verse 39 of chapter 1. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste. Notice, with haste. She, she was anxious to see Elizabeth and to see if she's pregnant. Into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why, <clears throat> and why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is, the, is she who believed that there were to be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Joy is a central theme around the, the, the whole picture of the birth of Christ. And as we celebrate Christmas, uh, it should continue to be. And the focus must be on Jesus the Christ. This good news, this great joy, the Savior born in Bethlehem, ended up with the angels praising God. And then the shepherds, like we said, anxious to go see what, had, what was going on. When the shepherds went, they found it as it was said. And in verse 20, I read where it says, Then they returned home, both glorifying God and praising God. That is their response to what they have seen. And I wanted to suggest to you this morning, there's a pattern that's been going on here. This pattern of joy that is happening. Like I said, it's greater than the word happy. Yeah, in a sense, happy could be a part of it, but but it's bigger than what we would normally think. You know, something might make you happy, but this kind of joy just it literally comes from inside and overflows. So, what's the the central point? Well, in in chapter two, verses ten and eleven, it tells us a savior is born. So there's this great joy around the the this, this event of salvation has come into the world. The Savior has been born. Salvation is at hand. Also, we see in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 17, the, 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 the desire to share it. In Luke chapter 2, verse 20, again, what did the, the shepherds do? They were glorifying and praising. The idea to pray. So, we have this picture of of salvation being the sense of joy. This joy, like I said, is not available unless you're saved. You can't have this joy unless salvation is in you. And then, if you have this salvation, the desire is to share it. And it will bring about the desire to praise, glorify, and worship God. And that's what we see in this initial uh, story of the birth of Christ. But where I wanted to go with this, actually, one who doesn't record the things about the birth of Christ is John, the Gospel of John, looking at chapter 15. I'm just going to, I'm not going to read the whole uh, picture there, but just verse 5 to start with. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Who's he speaking to? The disciples at this point. But he's speaking to us all as well. Jesus is the, the vine. We are the branches. We get our strength to have the faith 
in our salvation and to, and to have the faith to believe in it and understand it and to read the Word and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes through Jesus Christ, us plugging into Him. He is the, the vine. We are the branches. We get our nourishment from the vine. And so he says, uh, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, to abide means to dwell. And it means to dwell with the idea of roots. Uh, it's, it's an interesting kind of a picture. You dwell in your home. Your home is your dwelling place. It's, it's where you, you establish who you are as a family, this type of thing. Well, here we abide in Christ. He is the vine. We are the branches. We abide in Christ. <clears throat> So, if, if it says, whoever abides in me, and notice how it goes, I, Jesus, in him, in us. We abide in him, he abides in us. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of all of that. You know, he abides in us. He, he says, he it is that bears much fruit. In other words, if we abide in Christ and Christ abides in us, we're going to bear fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, again, it's one of these almost rhetorical questions. When he says you're going to bear fruit, should automatically take us to Galatians chapter two, 20, uh, 5, chapter, verse 22, and, and look at what Paul says uh, the fruit of the Spirit is. What is the fruit of the Spirit? The very first one. Love. Now, some uh, people, uh, gospel theologians, believe that love is the fruit of the Spirit manifested in eight ways, like joy, peace, patience, kindness. And I kind of lean that way myself. So, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And But you notice the very next one. Love is manifested. The very first manifestation of love is joy. Okay, and, and so we see this idea that we're going to bear much fruit. It's going to start with the idea that as you enter into your salvation, as you enter into a relationship with me, you will have joy. It should be like this. And so with this joy in us, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, John, going back to John chapter 15, look at verses 11 and 12. These things I have spoken to you that your that that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That my joy may be in you, abiding in us, and that our joy may be full, complete. And this idea of full is beyond what is needed. It's to overflowing. That our joy may be full. And if you have full joy, look what happens. Verse 12. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Again, the fruit of the Spirit. Love. And the natural consequence of having the love of God in us is that we will have a sense of joy. And this joy is a sense of, of, of God's presence in us and, and, and our future and all that we have in Christ, including eternal life, the kingdom of God, and all that goes with that, is something that transcends anything this world can offer us. It is an most amazing thing 
I've only seen it in a in a in a in Mexico uh, and and in some villages and uh, some what they call them colonias outside of the major cities uh, where these people have migrated from you know Central America and 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 the northern part of South America. Uh, they they're uneducated. They can't read. They can't write. And they're looking for hope. <laughs> they're looking for joy of sense. And yet you get in them. Uh, they're they're looking to to find something to that will you know uh, build their family and and make them healthy and 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 strong and the, everything that we have that they want. You know and and yet when you get into a worship service with them, it is so. Amazing. Everything else fades away. And the sense of joy, the sense of the love of God and the love of Christ is amazing. I've also found that their willingness to share with brothers and sisters is overwhelming. What little they have, they'll, they'll cut in half, if you will, and share. I had a friend of mine who's a missionary in India. And you know the little shoebox things that we did for, for Christmas, you know, for the children for Christmas? Well, this was something parallel to that for India. And what it was, though, it turned out to be, you know, containers, shipping containers, full of food to go and distribute among these India, uh, uh, in, in the northern part of India in their villages. And this, Family, it was done through the church, so the food was given to the people in the church. It was for them. This family went home and took what they have and divided it into thirds, gave the neighbors some, and they gave the other neighbors some. And the, the visiting missionary that would brought the food was kind of upset. He said, this was for you. And he says, well, we know where we're going. They don't. They need all the time they can get. And... So this idea of when you are full of Christ and you're full of love and you want to share the message and proclaim it. These people had the opportunity, by the way, of that generosity to share something about Jesus Christ as well. Why would you do this with, for us? We've, we've shunned you because you've left uh, the Hindu faith and, and all this stuff. And they said, because we love you in Christ. He's for all the people. Can you see this, this attitude that's supposed to be developing in us? The willingness to, to share and to minister what we have. James makes it real clear. You find someone in need and you have the means to minister to that need and you don't. It's sin. Think about that one. How many times have you known there was a, a need out there and, and you were Kind of callous to it. I'm pointing the finger at myself, by the way. You know. The joy that we have in our salvation is something that is not of this world. And as a result, even in the worst of circumstances, we still have joy. We have the, the, that guaranteed through the Holy Spirit that we are the children of God. And you say, well, why did bad things happen? Because we live in a fallen world. And it's gonna, it happens to everybody. 
But we have a hope that transcends the fallen world. We have the kingdom of God. We are children of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so as a result, we should be expressing this joy. We, and, 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 and in the sense of what we see in the Scriptures, we should be uh, sharing it, sharing the salvation. As we're saved, we should be proclaiming it to others. Sharing it with others. And they should see us not necessarily going around and, 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 and just mouthing it all the time. I, I, oh, praise God, praise God, praise God, even when something bad happens. But, but the idea of, of having this attitude of, I know who I am in Christ. And people can look at you and they'll end up saying, and maybe even asking, why is it you're different? And Peter will say, now's your opportunity. Be prepared to share your faith. How often should we be rejoicing? Come on. Always. Paul, Peter said, or excuse me, Paul says in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Okay, so we, we are to rejoice in the Lord always. And he says to the Thessalonians, rejoice in all things. Okay, does that mean bad things? We rejoice when we see the bad things in knowing that somehow the sovereign God has, is going to weave this together as He brings about His kingdom and His work on earth so that He will be glorified, even in the things that we can't understand. And so, even the, the, fall, the, the sins of fallen men, God will take advantage of, if you will, and weave them into something that will bring about His glory. I'm confident of that. If you have joy in your salvation, share it. If you have joy in your salvation, worship and praise God daily. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. When we share in communion, it's a time of rejoicing. Communion is all about what God has done through Christ in our salvation. That's why Jesus said, this is, this is my body, this is my blood. You know, not that it literally becomes His body or His blood, but that it is a representation of His body and His blood. So that when we share in communion, what we're doing is sharing in what God has done for him. He became flesh, dwelt among us. That's the bread. He went to the cross and poured out his blood. He died. Hebrews tells us life is in the blood. And he shed his blood. He poured out his life. He died for us. And then proved that he had the authority through the death, burial, and resurrection to put us to the point where we can now say, death, where's your sting? 
You've lost your sting. Do I, do I want to die? No. Do I fear death? Not like the sense of, 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 of I, I fear the idea of the pain of death or stuff like that. We're all normal in that sense. But I'm not afraid in the consequences of where I end up. So the death has lost its sting. It's lost its, its final punch. Because I'm in Christ. We're in Christ. When we have communion this morning, we're, we're still uh, doing a, a self-serve. Uh, and this side is the cups. Uh, one cup has the juice. The cup underneath it has the bread, if they would prefer it that way. And on this side we have the packets and pretty much the same thing. And so, as we sing our communion song, He Who is Mighty is what we're singing today. Uh, I'd ask that you would come up and, and uh, get your communion. If there's one of you that wants to pick it up for another person that's in your family sitting with you, uh, feel free to do it that way. I wanted to point out uh, something in this in this song. So uh, One of the, the, the themes is, it says, there's no, uh, once a slave, now by grace, no more condemnation. We're saved. The joy of Christ, we're saved. Another part of the song says, I rejoice in the God who saves. That sense of praise. And this song, by just singing it, we are proclaiming what Christ has done for us. Let's share in this song. He 
Gospel of Luke, the 22nd chapter. And when the hour had come, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I will tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, "This is uh, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that From now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us share the bread together. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's share. Father, again, we come to you this morning with thanksgiving in our hearts as we share these emblems reminding us He who is the Word became flesh. Dwelt among us. He lived that sinless life on our behalf. In fact, He told us through the words of the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Letting us know that there is nothing left to be paid. He said, it's paid in full. Thank You, Lord, for taking on our sins and removing the sting of death that we can now say with with great joy, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and that includes me. Thank You, Lord. We worship You. We praise You. And we look for the opportunity to share You and proclaim You with Anyone who would listen or anyone who might ask why we are the way we are. We worship and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we close, please? Lord bless. Thank you for being here. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere go Tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ is born While shepherds kept their watching Over silent flocks by night Behold, throughout the heavens There shone a holy light 